Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? They're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? We did this for other people, but we never did this for you. That's that that really is what service is. That's what serving Jesus is. Okay, serving other people, other people, but ultimately you are serving the Lord Jesus. You're serving the Lord Jesus, okay? And and when you have that as your focus, man, you can serve for quite a while. Jesus came to care for people. He came to restore our spiritual relationship with the Father by taking our sins to the cross, but he also met physical needs on earth. Jesus had compassion and empathy for people. In today's message, Pastor James shares how we can serve Jesus by serving people. When we meet the needs of people, we're continuing on in the message and works that Jesus first started when he came from heaven to earth. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 25 as Pastor James begins his message, Personal Holiness. We are doing a little topical teaching. I don't normally do topical teachings. I don't like teaching that way because it's really hard for me. So normally just a verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But we were going through the Gospel of Mark and, and we came across some teachings by Jesus where he says, look, you know, he's dealing with holiness, personal holiness within the life of the believer. And he was instructing his followers, like, if, if there's something in your life that is causing you to stumble or trip up, you know, he used extreme, an extreme illustration to highlight the holiness of God is really what he was doing. If your right hand causes you to, to sin, cut it off. Better to go into heaven missing your one hand than to go into hell with both hands, right? So I think we understand that. Same with your foot, same with your eye. And, and he was teaching that to the crowds. And, and it just, you know, it, it caused us to want to pause and say, okay, well, let's, well, let's talk about hell. And uh, we'll talk about heaven too, okay? So, um, but that was at the end of Mark chapter, at Mark chapter 9. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. This is going to be our home text for today. This is where Jesus is giving his followers, you know, this is all leading up to his death. And he's kind of giving them a heads up what to watch for and what to be on the lookout for concerning the ends of the times and all that good stuff. And, and he's walking them through these, um, through these texts, you know, of like using these parables and, and all this good stuff, just mainly instructing them, still instructing us, like, you, you need to stay alert. You need to stay alert. And there's things to pay attention to. And, and hopefully you're noticing those even in the days in which we live, we should be alert. And when we notice certain things happening within our world, they should just trigger this thing inside of our, not just our brains, but our hearts of like, oh yeah, he's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. You know, earthquakes are an everyday almost occurrence for us. But when they begin to intensify, and they have over the past 20, 30 years, they have intensified. There's been more earthquakes and now they're happening in regions where they weren't all that common before. I just remember reading, there was one in Japan not too long, I think it was last week, um, could have been at the beginning of the week. But anytime I see headlines like that, I'm like, yeah, he's coming back soon. 
The earth is groaning. It's groaning, right? And so he was instructing his guys like, there's certain things to watch out for. But at the end of Matthew chapter 25, he kind of gives them, he lays it out for them of how, how it all is going to play out, so to speak, in the difference between the believers, sheep, and the non-believers, the goats, and what happens. So for us, if you're a believer, we, we really need to probably define some of these things better. Heaven is, is what is your reality. But we, we know that that's like new heaven and new earth. Like new earth is your reality. Let's be clear. Biblically speaking, like you're in the presence, you die, you go in the presence of Jesus and all that good stuff. But you're not forever, eternally floating up there somewhere on a cloud with your harp and all that good stuff. It is bad, bad biblical like theology. Like, because I remember when I, and I've shared that with you guys before, when people would talk to me about heaven and hell, my thought, my imagined, my imagination concerning heaven was like, so I'll be like a chubby little baby kind of thing, playing a harp on a cloud forever. Like it doesn't sound all that appealing to me. If I'm going to be honest with you. Now the hell thing, that didn't sound appealing to me either, but but that's not what it is. That's not at all what it is, actually. You'll be in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And then there's things that have to happen um, if you die before he comes back. And, and we can talk about that at a later date. But ultimately, there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth, right? And so you can, and that even kind of goes back into Genesis chapter one and all this good stuff. Um, but that's, that's going to be the new reality, new Jerusalem, and, and you're going to be living on this this new heaven, new earth kind of place, not floating on a cloud. So, but that's like, that's your destination if Christ is your Lord and Savior, okay? But we, but we do need to know, like, well, what happens to those who reject Jesus? Because there is a destination for those who reject Jesus. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about that. Jesus himself had a lot to say about that, over 13% of I mean, he, out of all his teachings, 13% of them were dedicated to, towards hell. He talked more about hell than anything else. And I think he did because he, it was because he loves us. And he's warning us, this is a real place. This is a real destination. I'm going to talk a lot about it because I want you to understand that I don't want you to go there, right? I'm glad he spent a lot of time talking about hell. He didn't talk a lot about heaven. Actually, he didn't talk that much about heaven at all which kind of, that, there's, there's beauty behind that as well. Like that kind of plants those seeds of like intrigue. You're like, well, wait a minute, right? The hell he wants you to understand there is, there is a destination. And we'll talk about some uh, false teachings that are circulating within the churches today. But let's look at this text. Chapter 25, verse 31 says, but when the son of man, that's Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left hand. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, okay, the believers, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you by or from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. He's talking to the believers. He's like, hey, all right, you, all you guys on the right, come on in. By the way, thank you so much for ministering to me. And there's going to be a question there of like, 
well, when did we minister to you, Jesus? When did we minister to you? And he'll clarify that and all this good stuff. Look at this next part. The righteous ones will say, they'll reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? They're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? We did this for other people, but we never did this for you. That's that. That really is what service is. That's what serving Jesus is. Okay, serving other people, other people. But ultimately, you are serving the Lord Jesus. You're serving the Lord Jesus. Okay, and and when you have that as your focus, man, you can serve for quite a while, and you can endure a whole lot because you know this is for Him. This is for Him. If it's for them, you're going to stop serving pretty quickly. Okay, let's be real. You're serving for the sake of getting applause and pats on the back from people. Those will quiet out over time. You'll go through seasons where nobody even acknowledges you or anything that you do. But if it's for the Lord, you just keep pressing on. You just keep pressing on. Because your applause really comes from the audience of one. And uh, he's always cheering you on. Hey, thanks for doing that. Appreciate you doing that for me. Well, was it for you? No, no, that, that was for me. That was for me. Same group, the, the people, the ones on the right, they're like, well, what, Jesus, what are you talking about? We never saw you in these states. We never saw you in need. The kings will say to them, verse 40, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You were doing it for me. And... So as he's driving home this point and getting us to this, this little end section here concerning, well, what's going to be the result for the guys on the left? It, just a good encouragement for, for those who stand on the right, so to speak. Serve the Lord, serve him with gladness, and serve him by serving other people. Serve him by serving others. If you see somebody in need, then help them out. Help them out, right? If you know somebody who, who's in need of, if, if they're not feeling well, they're sick, well, Come alongside them. Pray for them. Can I bring you a meal? Can I do those types of things? If somebody's just, if they're just in need, we need to be able to come alongside them because yes, you are serving them, but ultimately you're doing it for the Lord. And he, he, keeps, he keeps record of that stuff. And that's, that's a beautiful thing that we get to, in serving others, we're serving Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. Because you don't want to be on the other side of this thing. Now, your service to the Lord and all the good stuff doesn't mean you'll go from the right hand to the left hand, okay, if you're not doing this, okay? So let's clarify that. Like, if you're like, I never help out anybody. Well, okay, but if you're a believer in Christ, then we need to change that, okay? We need to, you need to start looking out for the needs of other people, right? The other side, the left side, are, they're not on the left because they never helped anybody out. They're on the left because of choice, a decision that they have made to reject, ultimately to reject Jesus. Now, you need to understand this about the people on the left side, too. Some of them are very, uh, you know, very generous in helping people out, but it's never for the people. It's always for themselves, okay? So I want to clarify that because we know there are a lot of people who have money. Maybe they have celebrity status or whatever, and they're very active in helping out people all across the world. But what's the motivation behind that? Is it, you know, it's certainly not for the Lord, because if there's no relationship, then there's, it's not done unto the Lord. It's done to make them feel 
Number one, to feel good about themselves because they're grasping for anything, right? To feel that emptiness with inside of them. And the other side of that is they feel like, well, if I do these good things, if there is an eternity, then all these good things I do will give me access into eternity. So it's never done for the Lord Jesus. And, and that's why the people on the left, it's not as if they never helped out anybody ever. It's just that they were never, they were never on the Lord's side. And they were never doing anything as unto the Lord. Okay? But the ones on the right, the sheep, they did these things. They just, this is just how they lived their lives. This was like a normal outflow of their lives. They gave their lives to Jesus. He transformed their hearts and their minds. What once was unnatural became supernatural. And they just started loving people. And they cared about people. I don't know if you remember what that was like for you. Maybe you've always loved people. I did not. Before Jesus, I, I loved some people, but I didn't love all people. I, I, I mean, that's just, that's the truth. That's the reality. I love the people who could help me out, right? I love the people who treated me fairly. I love the ones who, you know, loved me. I didn't love people who didn't love me. I didn't love people that I didn't understand. I did it, okay? But when Jesus, when I surrendered my life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit took up residency inside of me, everything changed. Every, and that was the, one of the most drastic things I noted when I gave my life to Jesus was, I love people now. I don't, it's, and I can love people that I don't even really like that much, right? And you're like, oh, can you do that? Yeah, you can do that. Um, you can totally do that. I have a care, a concern, compassion for, man, for people, certainly for people who don't know the Lord. Um, and that's a supernatural thing. That's what transformation is. That's how our lives should be marked by that transformation. When you surrender your life to Jesus, transformation has to take place. And then you, the, the natural outflow of that is these gifts of service. You're just helping people out. That's who he's talking about. These ones on the right, they're surrendered to him and, and they, they're doing this stuff. They're living their lives like this. But we have to talk about the other group because the ones on the right, and just like I told you before, and we'll, we'll talk about it at the end, their destination is set. And Jesus, he was going to tell his disciples in that, that passion week, you know, he lets them know like, look, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you and all this, this crazy cool stuff that should like get us excited about what's to come. We should be more excited about what's to come than anything else, right? Like I love living here on this planet. I have a beautiful wife, I have four beautiful kids. We get to do a lot of cool stuff. I live on an island when it's not trying to kill me. Plant life, I had poison ivy all over my face last week. When it's trying, you know, it's beautiful, it's amazing, but I am most excited about what's to come. When I think about heaven, new earth, all that, Man, I'm stoked. I get like goosebumps. And I'm like, yes, yes, I can't wait for that. I love this. I love this. I love where I'm at. Love it. I love people I'm surrounded with. I absolutely love it. But that like new heaven, new earth thing, it just takes it like on a whole nother level. I can't wait. Can't wait. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But let's, let's talk about the guys on the left. Because there is, there is an, an end result for those who reject the free gift of salvation, okay? 
Let's just read through it. Okay, verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons, please note that, prepared for Satan and the fallen angels, made for them, not made for humanity, not made, not created for people who rejected Jesus. It was created for Satan and his fallen angels. Also the Antichrist and the false prophet. You read through the book of Revelation. But we need to understand it was prepared for them. Doesn't mean that people aren't going there. But it was prepared for them. It says, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me any clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, funny that they use that term, Lord, 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 right? A lot of people will say, Lord, Lord, look at all the good stuff I did for you. He's like, I'm sorry, but who are you? Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? We helped out all the time. He will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal, eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Okay. That's key. It's key these days because there's a doctrine that's going around within churches today that hell is not eternal. That's not eternal. And the the reason, and it's way more of a liberal stance within the church than anything else. And the reason why is because they're trying to like, well, if God's such a loving God, why would he be so cruel and mean as to make somebody suffer in hell for eternity? And I would say, I understand your question. However, I don't think you're reading your Bible. Because every time I read through the Bible, every time I study through the Bible, and I study topics such as hell and heaven, I think, God is so loving. God is so good. It's amazing how good he is. And this eternal suffering, this eternal punishment, that's not on him. It's not on him. It's on them. It's a decision. It's a choice that's made. Just like you and I, you have a choice. You want to receive this free gift of eternal life, or do you want to reject that? Do you want Jesus or do you not want Jesus? If you don't want Jesus, that's fine. That's your choice. But there is an end result to that. Because here's the deal. There are sins that have to be accounted for. And if you reject his free gift, of, and we talk about this all the time. We went through the book of Revelation. We saw that. He, Jesus drank from the cup of wrath. He, he appeased that for us. If you don't want that, then that's left for you to drink from for the rest of your life because you are not perfect. And it doesn't matter how long you exist, you will never be able to cover your sins. So just accept the free gift that the perfect one, Jesus, 
lived a perfect life, died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice, drank from the cup of wrath. He did all that for us so that we wouldn't have to. But if you don't want that gift, then you have to drink from that cup forever because you will never cover your sins. That's the reality of heaven and hell. It's a rejection of Jesus and his free gift. C.S. Lewis says the gates of hell are locked from the inside. They're locked from the inside. It's a decision. It's a choice that's made. We also have to understand this as well. What I get so excited about concerning heaven, being in the presence of Jesus, that concept is hell for some people who hate Jesus. So it's like, I want all people to go to heaven. Some people don't want anything to do with Jesus. They hate him. And for them to like to spend eternity in his presence, that sounds like hell to me. I mean, that's what we're dealing with here, guys. And, and there's, this, there's this doctrine that's going around where it's like, no, 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 no. I mean, it, it, there's two approaches to this thing. There's universalism, which is false, okay? Because what they like to say is, well, okay, basically in the end, everybody goes to heaven. Well, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. And I know verses that they quote, but they are not quoting them within context. And they're not doing a very good job on word study either. That's universalism. There's churches. There's a church here on the, on the island. They would, they would ascribe to that. Everybody in the end ends up in heaven. Now, you and some of our you know, Catholic friends would say, like, well, there's this thing called purgatory, which is not in the Bible, BTW, um, by the way. It's not in the Bible. It's actually, you, you do not find any concept of purgatory at all within the scriptures. None, not at all. Then they, they pull this, this concept from the Apocrypha, okay? There's one verse that kind of alludes to that, and so they took that. And so basically what they're saying is like, look, if you still have some sins that need to be atoned for, well, you can spend this time in this gap thing, this, uh, this you know, purgatory, and, and when, you know, however years it takes, you know, maybe 50 years or so, but once that's done, then you can go to heaven. How in the world am I going to pay for my own sins if I can never do that in this life? But it doesn't, there, see, there's no biblical structure to that at all. There's, there's no weight to that thing at all, at all. But what are we doing? We're, we, we, as humans, are holding on to hope that what? That some of our loved ones will be there with us. And I understand that. I'm, I have compassion for that. I get that. But I also would hope that that motivates us to be praying nonstop and witnessing to our friends and family members that we love and care so much about. We don't know. We have no clue who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. We have no idea. Jesus does. He knows all things. And if he doesn't know that, then we're serving the wrong God, okay? So he knows that. He knows all that. So what is a mystery to us should be an encouragement for us to be like, I'm just going to tell everybody about, the, about Jesus and about the gospel. Why? Because he wants all men to be saved, I should want all people to be saved. So nobody's excluded from this beautiful gospel message. But there's that element, I think it's crept, it crept into the church, you know, years and years back of like, well, we just don't like that because of what that might mean for our family members. I understand. I understand, but you can't throw away the scriptures for the sake of your feelings. You can't.
You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word, and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you, here on Bread for the Broken.